For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And this latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter may remind you of the Twilight Zone. First, we have a climate scare back from the dead, the melting of the Himalayan glaciers, this time for sure. And second, we've got time travel, because it seems that humans caused this melting to start half a millennium ago by, uh, by committing journalism or something. The story comes from Yale Environment 360, which is published at the Yale School of the Environment, and warns us that, quote, new research suggests that the area of Himalayan glaciers has shrunk by 40% since the Little Ice Age maximum between 400 and 700 years ago, end quote. Okay then, since no sane person thinks man-made warming kicked in six centuries ago, it's proof of natural fluctuations, right? including that the warming in the late 19th and 20th centuries must itself be primarily natural. Unfortunately, as we noted recently, when it comes to climate breakdown, time travel's no problem. So, warming we cause today can melt a glacier in the time of Babur if it helps spread panic. The author of this piece does admit that the settled science came a methodological cropper on Himalayan glacier melt quite recently, but apparently that's grounds for having more, not less, confidence in its gloomy conclusions, which naturally include that it's worse than we thought in exactly the way we thought. Quote, depending on the level of global warming, studies projected at least another third and as much as two-thirds of the region's glaciers could vanish by the end of the century. Correspondingly, meltwater is expected to increase until around the 2050s and then begin to decline, end quote. And then we or they in that region, are all going to die from some unspecified thing which could be drought or, quote, extreme rainfall, like the deluge that caused recent massive flooding in Pakistan, end quote. Oh well. At least they admitted there was a little ice age. In the newsletter, we also note that the Ontario Energy Board, a quasi-judicial tribunal that controls development of the Ontario electricity system, chirped about, quote, the energy transition is a global shift away from using fossil fuels like oil, gasoline, and coal to a more sustainable, renewable energy future that includes more innovation and consumer choice, end quote. We then spoil the mood by asking whether they mean the kind of innovative consumer choices confronting Haiti, on whose behalf Canada's foreign minister, Melanie Jolie, is urging the Organization of American States to develop a plan to, quote, fix fuel shortages that have caused protests, looting, and a healthcare collapse, end quote. Fuel shortages cause social breakdown? Why weren't we told? In this context, we also note the New York Times headline, quote, In rebuke to West, OPEC and Russia aim to raise oil prices with big supply cut, end quote. In addition to revealing that a lot of that fatuous we-are-the-world rhetoric over time lacked substantive content, this story underlines that the hard or merely greedy people running foreign tyrannies know perfectly well how dependent we are on real energy, and how we can be made to pay through the nose if only geopolitical, economic, and scientific naifs like Ms. Jolie make policy here while they make it there. Now, to his credit, the Chief of Canada's Defence Staff, General Wayne Eyre, just testified to the House of Commons Standing Committee on National Security that, quote, Russia and China are not just looking at regime survival, but regime expansion. They consider themselves to be at war with the West, they strive to destroy the social cohesion of liberal democracies and the credibility of our own institutions to ensure our model of government is seen as a failure, end quote. Well, if so, we can only say that they're getting a lot of help from us in ensuring that our model of government is seen as a failure due to the persistent efforts of those in power to make us all freeze in the dark or grovel before tyrants. For some reason, it's just not a good look. 
Oh, and speaking of things back from the dead, this time perhaps for comic relief, we also note that the ghost story about climate change threatening English castles is back. And it's worse because, quote, King Arthur's estate threatened by coastal erosion, end quote, according to the Calgary Herald in what seems to be its disasters ecology section. No, not Camelot. And indeed not. Rather, Tintagel Castle, the one that's been crumbling since the 13th century. The National Post explained that, quote, the legendary birthplace of King Arthur could be lost to the sea, English heritage has said, as it warned accelerating coastal erosion was threatening heritage all along England's coastlines. Rising sea levels and increasingly powerful winter storms driven by climate change are battering the country's coastal history. It released a list of six sites most at risk from increasing erosion, among them Tintagel Castle on the North Cornish coast, end quote. And how bad is it? Apparently it's not. Quote, while the castle itself is not under immediate threat, the cliffs around it face growing danger, end quote. The British government's propaganda service, the BBC, quoted the disinterested director of English Heritage, which is raising money off the scare, that, quote, it seems to be that the whole natural dynamics of the coastline in some places have been accelerated by climate change, end quote. And then it babbled that, quote, there is broad consensus among scientists that even if the greenhouse emissions that warm the earth are dramatically cut, Global sea levels will continue to rise for several hundred years. Higher sea levels mean more powerful waves coming closer to the shore and faster coastal erosion, end quote. This toss was printed by the BBC's environment correspondent, or one of them anyway. But in point of fact, global sea levels have been rising for more than 12,000 years for yes, natural reasons, and we don't think you can find one scientist anywhere who will tell you that if human greenhouse gas emissions are dramatically cut, they will stop rising somewhere around 2300 AD. Unless, of course, the Holocene comes to an end, the glaciers advance, several hundred feet of sea level are absorbed into the new ice via accumulating snowfall, and civilization is destroyed which would be a high price to pay for protecting Tintagel Castle. Plus, as the BBC eventually spat out in the Oyer Castle gets it climate threat story, quote, erosion is not a new problem at Tintagel. It has been under attack from wind and sea since being built in the 13th century. There are regular cliff falls, end quote. Yeah, as there would be when you build by the sea and it has waves and stuff. Still, when it comes to climate change, a castle can be crumbling since the days of Edward I thanks to 20th century man-made greenhouse gases, a piece of magic that would have had Merlin green with envy. In the newsletter, we also take a tour of statistical methodology based on an NBC story about the odd coincidence that three powerful earthquakes have hit Mexico in fairly recent years and all came on the same date, September 19th. Not even NBC blamed that on climate change. But when you get equally coincidental developments involving temperature or storms, these outlets pounce. For instance, stories about a record temperature being set in Joplin, Missouri on July 24th and in Manchester, New Hampshire on the same date. Not an all-time record, note carefully, a record for that date. As the New York Times reported in what seems to be its extreme weather section, eight other cities did the same and four more tied records. And, quote, a number of other places came close to matching their records, end quote, including LaGuardia Airport, a singularly uninteresting claim since airports are notorious artificial heat traps. But here's the thing. If the weather were just fluctuating, not going anywhere in particular, it stands to reason that any given place would have a 1% chance of having its hottest temperature in the last century in any given year. 
But since as of 2018, the United States had 19,495 incorporated cities, towns, and villages. If you were cherry-picking to illuminate an actually non-existent crisis, you'd get 194 bits of fruit in your basket on any given date in a typical year. Oh, and we note here in passing the breaking news that Ottawa just recorded its first low of minus 2 degrees Celsius on October 8th, nearly two weeks earlier than the average. And, for lack of context, that the earliest recorded date for that measurement was September 20th in 1929, and the latest November 24th, 1963. There's no trend, it's just random. And now for some economics. Yay! If something is scarce and its price rises, and you block entrepreneurs from adding more supply, the best course of action is then attack the existing suppliers, at least according to the UN Secretary General for Climate Hysteria, who declared that, quote, the fossil fuel industry is feasting on hundreds of billions of dollars in subsidies and windfall profits, while household budgets shrink and our planet burns. Today I am calling on all developed economies to tax the windfall profits of fossil fuel companies. Those funds should be redirected in two ways, to countries suffering loss and damage caused by the climate crisis, and to people struggling with rising food and energy prices, end quote. Yeah, by putting extra taxes on their energy costs. But the thing is, those profits are the predictable and direct result of governments blocking the expansion of fossil fuel supply infrastructure in the name of fighting the so-called climate crisis. And while we understand government grandees flunking at economics, how do you explain a prominent oil executive endorsing the same ideas? The person in question is outgoing Shell CEO Ben Van Burden, who just told the Energy Intelligence Forum that with energy prices and profits rising, a windfall tax was needed because, quote, you cannot have a market that behaves in such a way that is going to damage a significant part of the society, end quote. A Euro News Greed added Catley that, quote, a Shell spokesman later clarified that Van Burden, who makes $8.2 million per year and will step down in 2023, was referring to companies and not individuals, end quote. Yeah. Well, Betty was. But what you really can't have is a market that does not alleviate shortages because governments clobber anyone who tries to produce and sell things people desperately need. That's what harms society. Oh, and speaking of the UN, it just said Australia owed compensation to some inhabitants of the Torres Strait Islands because Australia didn't stop global warming or the process of sea level rise that's been going on for 12,000 years and didn't build a wall so these people weren't all washed away, which they weren't anyway. The idea of Australia stopping global warming is silly. If it had thrown its entire economy into the Torres Strait, it would have reduced global greenhouse gas emissions by about 1%, while China, which already emits more than 20 times as much as Australia, seems with its rapid expansion of coal power to be adding more or less on Australia a year. And in any case, as so often, the alarmist claims prove the opposite of what they seem to. According to Wikipedia, the Torres Strait Islands, quote, are threatened by rising sea levels, especially those islands which do not rise more than one meter, 3.3 feet, above sea level. Storm surges and high tides pose the greatest danger, end quote. Yeah, we'll bet, because they're not three feet high. So we respond sardonically, if these islands are that low, and they haven't been washed away yet, this sea level rise threatening small nations is just a fable. We also note that, unsurprisingly, people continue to insist that Hurricane Fiona hitting the Maritimes or Hurricane Ian hitting Florida is proof that, you know, the alarmists were right all along, the debate is over, and if only we'd built more solar panels, it never would have happened. But into this maelstrom, we bring you the newly updated information page on global warming and hurricanes from the Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory at the American government's generally climate alarmist National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA. The thing is long and detailed, 
But the bottom line is, quote, in summary, it is premature to conclude with high confidence that human-caused increases in greenhouse gases have caused a change in past Atlantic basin hurricane activity that is outside the range of natural variability, end quote. And they also say it's not even clear that such storms are going to get stronger if you believe their models. And then there are coral reefs. In late 2021, the UN, yes, them again, asked, quote, why are coral reefs dying, end quote, and then, having of course blamed climate change, warned that, quote, a 70 to 90 percent decrease in live coral on reefs by 2050 may occur without drastic action to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, end quote. And earlier in 2021, NPR had a kids won't know what snow is moment only with coral, declaring, quote, fearing their kids will inherit dead coral reefs, scientists are urging bold action, end quote. As in late 2020, the BBC had announced that the Great Barrier Reef had lost half its coral since 1995, quote, due to warmer seas driven by climate change, end quote. So everybody knows global warming is killing the coral reefs. But let's dive in and see for ourselves. Whoa. According to the Australian Institute of Marine Science, the last few years have been a great time to be alive if you're a coral. In all three regions, the Great Barrier Reef is growing like gangbusters and in fact has reached record high coverage. Even the BBC had to look at the numbers and admit that the GBR is hitting record levels of growth, but in BBC land, just because it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy. Quote, Great Barrier Reef sees record coral cover, but it is highly vulnerable, end quote, they insisted. Sure, if you say so, because everybody knows the surest sign of a dying coral reef is it reaching record size. Feel free to send us your own tips for our Everybody Knows series with story links, please, to admin at climatedn.com. Finally, from the CO2Science.org archive, we have a study of coastal storms and wave climatology in the North Atlantic Basin, which includes the Gulf of Mexico, and which found the usual. A lot of variability, but no clear trend that can be linked even to natural causes, let alone to people. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I've been to Tintagel Castle, and it's still there.